1: Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me
2: every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft.
1: Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the draft dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
3: Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big
0: names. It would take me hours to say all of their names.
1: (laughs) The ultimate
0: Cleveland sports show. Booyah.
2: And we are here. There's two names on the theme song that are not here. But we have upgrades for you. Not me. But we have Jason Lloyd filling in where Adam the Bull usually sits. That's an obvious upgrade. We have G. Bush where G. Bush is, and you call me Mini J. Crawford today. Instead of being between Skip and Stephen A., I'm on the left of Jason and G. Bush, and I'm sure we will get into some spirited debates. We got a big show packed, filled, and that's thanks to our producer today, Earl the Pearl. Earl, how you doing, boss? I'm great, brother. How you? Doing good. Always fun to be out here. Glad to see you and Anthony.
3: Earl the Pearl is in the the building, a.k.a. the third member of Harlem Heat. He's here. (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> uh, real quick, before we get into what's coming up today,
2: our topics, our guests, I want to tease overtime today because it's a special overtime. We have overtimes sometimes that are really good. We have some that we just kind of throw together last minute because it is the nature of the beast. But today, we need your help. I'm looking at you. No, not them. I'm looking at you specifically. We got McNuggets. We got Pearl. and We got Anthony. One of those three is not alike. And we need your help coming up with a nickname for Anthony. So we are putting the brilliant minds of the UCSS viewers to work, the members especially. We need your help coming up with a nickname for Anthony. So that will be coming up in overtime today. If you're not a member, make sure you become a member so you can participate in that conversation. We need your help because Anthony simply isn't cutting it. Uh, Initial thoughts real quick. Any first off the dome ideas for a nickname? You know
3: what dawned on me was it was like crazy. You said Pearl, man. I was like, man. That's the same one of the. That was one of the golden girls, wasn't it? <laughs> like it was like yo, like that's fire. But the thing, that, the thing, Earl got like ninety nicknames. Like he got like all depends on which side of town you go to. Like he, like if you hear like over over on the east side, he's delicious Like, <laughs> 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 but er- Anthony, we gotta get you some. You got a government yeah. You got a government name. You be walking around here all regular, like, come on, bro. Like, listen, and, and do you and do you use clippers on your face? Do you use clippers? I think you you line yourself up a little bit. Do you use clippers?
2: I did get a haircut last weekend. Yes.
3: So, so there there are clippers on your beard. Oh yeah, that too. See, look, so, okay, we got to get you something, bro. You got to get you something. We got to figure this out. Yeah, it's, we have
2: something in the, in the works here that we haven't even pitched to our RDP yet, Steve. Mm. But we can't pitch it till we have the name down. So, okay. Steve, this is coming, but we uh, need a nickname. Fun, for funny
4: thing, though, because, uh, like, take you behind the glass a little bit, you know, when we do the social, social clips, and uh, we tag who said what? You know what I always tag, Jason? It's J-Lo. J-Lo. Yeah, every he, he, he is
2: the J-Lo. That's There's J-Lo. no No, you, if you ask
4: a hundred people, Who's J.
3: Lo 98 are saying Jason. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, like, like did you accept that? Or did you fight against that? No, I accept it. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, yeah. you accepted it, yeah. right? Yeah, he was like, all right, let me tell you, because sometimes people be like, no, I'm not, you're not gonna get me with that. You're not gonna get me with that. You are not going to get me with that you going to like, that's like calling myself ice spikes. You can't call your <laughs> name after another, like that don't work, but J. Lo is cool. Well, I mean, let me
2: ask this. Has any other J. Lo ever broken a major news story? I don't think so. No. Has any other J-Lo ever been the first to report that Donovan Mitchell might want to go to New York?
4: Nope. Talk that talk, George.
2: I I don't think so. Has another J-Lo ever had their kids Little League pitch a no-hitter? Four pitchers combined for no-hitter. So, I'm just saying, when you look at those hand-selected statistics, there's one J-Lo and there's everyone else. Who's got
3: a better ass? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I can't get that out of my eyes now, Bro. (laughs) Like, like,
2: do we got to end the show? Oh,
3: is, that, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, We pack bro. it up, wrap
2: it up. No, for real, we got a, a jam-packed show for you guys. Earl <laughs> and Anthony did a phenomenal job putting this together. We're going to talk a little Guardians later in the show. We have a special top five from Earl the Pearl, his five best NFL players of all time that aren't quarterbacks. So no quarterbacks besides that. Who is Pearl putting on his list for the five best players ever? We have Bucky Brooks from NFL Network joining us at 12. We talked about an article he wrote last week. Grant Delpit was on his all-defensive breakout team. We'll get his thoughts on why Delpit have a big year, the Browns and the NFL as a whole. We're going to rename Brown Stadium. We're going to talk about whether or not this could be Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, DPJ's final season in Cleveland. But we start with our favorite thing to do in the summer, get mad about PFF rankings, or for the rare instance, agree with them. Earl, what are we agreeing with or disagreeing with today?
4: All right, so we was putting some show content together yesterday. PFF have released another ranking that we're going to argue about. And this one is specified the best defensive player per position in the AFC. Uh, Steve, you can say tag board four. And they named Miles Garrett the best edge rusher in the AFC. So just to, you know, throw some names out there, I threw TJ Watt out there, Joey Bosa, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure some others that I didn't think about like definitively. Is Miles Garrett the best edge rusher in the AFC?
2: Jason, you're first.
4: Yes.
3: Garrett? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. I, I will say, uh, but so we might as well just go all in. When I saw the comment, I said, well, PFF already had him rated like 90, 92 uh, he, and a, half. 92 and a half. I think Michael Parsons is second. Correct. Correct. They already got him there. So he was already doing that. The next question is, are there any other positions or any other players that that are higher than his 92 overall at other positions? Because not only am I saying that Miles Garrett might be the best edge rusher in the AFC, that's definitive. He's probably the best edge rusher in the entire league. That's pretty much definitive too. He might be the best defensive player in the AFC. Period. Not just the edge rusher. He might be the best defensive player overall in the AFC. Um, in the NFC, I'm not sure. Um, but he's he's either one or two defender in the league. So when I look at it, and here's the, here's the shame about it. The shame about it is this: he could get better. Yeah. Like he could have he could have better numbers. He could be more impactful. He can he can be dominant um, and dominate. Remember, there was a time where, where Miles Garrett was just really hitting quarterbacks and just laying on them. Like he would hit the quarterback. Everybody, Miles Garrett is uh, getting too many penalties. I think that was around 2017. I remember um, him just landing on quarterbacks. Now you see it where where Miles Garrett is is not getting those levels of penalties. But I would rather see him actually be more aggressive. I've always said I've been on on record saying he should be more dominant against the run. I like to see more tackles for loss. I like to see him in the backfield penetrating more. However, Greg Newsom did say something about Jim Schwartz's defense. He said the way he has our guys up front, just attacking is way different from what we see. So I think we talk about Deshaun Watson and I've been very, uh, I've been very bullish on, on Deshaun Watson and what he's gonna do. I think Nick Chubb's gonna have a great year. But I think Miles Garrett, this may be the perfect time. If he's ever going to win defensive player of the year, he can do it this year. And if there's ever going to be a time, he might want to get it done this year.
2: Yeah, so when Earl sent us the topic, the question was, is Miles Garrett definitively the best edge rusher in the AFC? I'll hold off the NFC, guys, because yeah. I didn't do the dive on that. But we all know the saying, men lie, women lie, numbers dope. So with that, I did what I do. I got numbers to prove that Miles Garrett's definitively the best edge rusher in the AFC heading into next season. You could go at the career stats, you go all the way back you want, but I'm looking at last year, what players did, and okay. how that projects to 2023. And the other guy in the conversation was best edge rusher in the AFC. Joey Bose is good, but I think it's Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. I think that's one A and one B, one and two. Miles Garrett, as I will prove, is definitively one A. Last season, Miles Garrett 16 sacks in 16 games, despite facing the most double teams in the league. That's one sack per game, right? Mm-hmm. T.J. Watt had five and a half sacks in 10 games. That is 0. .6 sacks per game. When you look at QB hits, QB hurries, and total pressures, Miles Garrett averaged 1.63 per game in totality. T.J. Watt, he averaged 1.2. Edge, Miles Garrett. You look at their overall grades in PFF. Pass rushing grade, Miles Garrett, number one. T.J. Watt, number 19. Overall grade, Miles Garrett, number one. T.J. Watt. Number 34. So, definitively, based on the numbers, Miles Garrett is better than TJ Watt based on the statistical portion moving forward. Now, we always hear the argument when you look at the numbers because it's hard to argue numbers, right? They're facts. That's what happened. People say the eye test. Well, Miles Garrett disappears, TJ Watt
1: makes more plays in big moments. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: You could debunk that depending on what stat you want to fit your own narrative. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you your eyes are wrong. Like what you see is your own opinion. I, I can tell you I see something different and we may disagree on what we're seeing. But the reality of the fact is, They play a similar position where nine out of ten times their main goal is to get to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And Miles Garrett is more efficient and effective at getting to the opposing team's quarterback than any other player in the AFC, and I'm going to guess than any other player in the NFL. Micah Parsons, the one guy, I don't have his exact numbers, he's the one guy, I might say, uh, does it at a more efficient rate, but I don't have the numbers to back it up. So, based on the question or last, definitively, yeah, I think he's definitively the best edge rusher in the AFC.
0: I also think he's got the to this point obviously this year could be different he has the least amount around him compared to some of those other guys when you look at what tj watt has next to him and cam hayward cam hayward's really sort of an anchor to that defense on the defensive line and, and those guys i think really sort of help feed off each other just physical pure grit strength talent ability nobody bends like miles nobody's as strong as miles uh, yeah, it's Miles. Now, having said that, I do think there's another gear in there, and we've talked about that. He's, he's got to find it, and I think this is the system for him to find it. If he's ever going to get there, this is the year, and this is the system, I think, with the help that they have around him now with the Jim Schwartz style. Part of the reason that they chose Jim Schwartz to run this defense was they felt like it was the best fit for Miles Garrett and, and Miles Garrett uh, to sort of unleash him and make sure that he can reach his full potential. So if he's ever going to get there, this is the year it's going to happen.
3: Why does it seem why does it seem like there's this there's this um there's a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Miles Garrett. It it and what I mean love love-hate relationship there's certain players who we love. Like we we love Anderson Severgio, right? Yeah. Um there's certain players like uh, you know we, we love Joe Thomas, right? If you look at the numbers, right? You say, Joe, we always talked about Joe Thomas being a perennial pro bowler, right? And he probably being the first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, if you look at the track record, you look at the trajectory. Miles Garrett is on pace for the same thing. However, there is not some of the same admiration, the adoring, the like when somebody says, hey, the Cleveland Browns are a good team. And they say, who do you guys want to put to the forefront? It seems like Miles Garrett is actually a, like a afterthought. So we, when you say Browns, you'll say up. Chubb, think Chubb Watson. Chubb, Deshaun Watson. Even though Chubb and Watson are not as good as Miles Garrett yeah. at what he does, why is that? I think fantasy
2: football plays a part of it. To the normal, casual fan, you know offensive players because you draft them in fantasy football. Deshaun Watson's QB forward in the ADP, average draft rate. He's a second-round pick. Nick Chubb. Might score 20 touchdowns this year. Got to get him in round one. Oh, he might be there in round two because he's in catch passes compared to a guy like Christian McCaffrey. That's what the average fan thinks. They don't look at – and you draft defense as a team. Mm-hmm. You're not, in, in most leagues, even in the advanced league, Bull wanted to play last year with two super flexes plus two quarterbacks. Yeah, You play three <laughs> kickers, but you only count it. Like, Bull had these crazy rules he wanted to play. The one thing he didn't even give us was the option to draft a defensive player. So right. that was even past Bulls' outlandish idea of what fantasy football yeah. should be, where you have individual defensive player stats counting. So I think it's an offensive-driven league. The NFL, from the top down, pushes offense. Look at the roughing the passers. Look at the defensive pass interference, defensive holding. Every new rule they've implemented over the last few years has been designed to amplify offense and scoring. So I think defensive guys in general kind of get, I don't want to say pushed to the side, yeah, but overlooked by the casual... One of the mill fan you, you think he's underrated by fans
0: I think he's a product of his own physique when you look at him and you see he's a God he, he's he's built he's just chiseled the way that he's built it's incredible and like I said earlier the way that he can bend and the way that he can move on the field and then he does it does feel Mike like you said earlier like he vanishes at times in games and I think that's the frustrating part and maybe it's out of sheer exhaustion the fact that he's facing so many double teams that very well may be it but there's times where you expect him to be more impactful and he's just not. And I think that's the other gear I'm talking about. And I think that's what you're alluding to where people feel like it's, there's just more in there to get out. And maybe I remember, you know, maybe that's unfair, but that's what you expect of the greats. If you want to be the greats and the greatest of all time, and you want to be in that conversation, this is the responsibility that comes with that.
2: I, I got a question for you guys. Cause you just brought up something that made me think of Victor one, um, go basketball reference, come back to football. hmm the Spurs won the lottery on the draft lottery night. Adrian Wojnarowski, who never makes opinions, just reports simple facts, said that he might be the most impressive and sought after prospect in the history of team sports. Chris Broussard, who I think says some outlandish atla- things, said if he's not Hakeem or Kevin Durant, he's a fail. His, his career is a failure. What were the expectations for Miles Garrett coming to Cleveland as the number one overall pick? This physical freak specimen, almost never seen before athletic traits in a body combined with the size and skill he showed at Texas A&M. What were his expectations coming to Cleveland?
0: I don't know when you talk like in NBA terms and mm-hmm. in, in the way that there's always these comps. I don't know that that really happens in the NFL because of injuries and for whatever other reason. I don't, I, I don't recall and maybe I'm wrong and correct me someone if I am, but I don't recall like he's another Bruce Smith. He's no. another Reggie white. Like that didn't, he came here under the presumption that he's this monster physical freak this incredibly strong guy who is a terror coming off the edge who's has an injury history that's that was the thought coming in and you know where's the motor now the motor's proven to be fine like his motor's fine but uh i don't re- i don't recall any big like great comps it, when he first came no nah,
3: no nah. like, so everything that the browns have done since 1999, even when you talk about the drafts, like, it's been overshadowed by the fact that even if you get a guy like Miles Garrett, even if you hit on a really great running back like Nick Chubb, even though Joe Thomas was was probably one of the best left tackles to ever put on a uniform, it didn't matter because you just didn't have a quarterback. You just didn't have nothing. Like, so Miles Garrett came here. We were like, okay, we were in the midst of was we one in fifteen his year or was always sixteen? He was drafted in seventeen. It
0: so. all runs together. Yeah, He so I, was uh he was he was oh sixteen, 0 I and think. Oh sixteen. I think.
3: Now now think about that. So he was great. I think he had almost seven, eight sacks. Past that his rookie year, he's always got double digit sacks, right? So think about how he was always good from the start. He was dominant from the start. But it didn't even matter. Yeah. We were so bad that it was like You know, we didn't have a quarterback. We didn't have any skill positions. So it it was very difficult to judge and to kind of gauge exactly who he is and what he is. And to be honest with you, if you go back and look, for the most part, if Miles Garrett was playing for playoff teams, Dallas Cowboys, um, Bills, was playing for teams that are good, he'd he'd have a different level of stature, right? He'd have a different level – of of notoriety, even though he's that good now.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Earl, I'll let you hop in in one sec. But quarterbacks impact winning and losing fifteen thousand percent more than any other individual position on the field. You could be an unbelievable defensive end, and if your quarterback's trash, you're not going to win. We saw that for years. I guess five, four of his six years here yeah. in Cleveland. So maybe that has something to do with it too. What's up, bro?
4: Let me toss all this at y'all. First of all, I, I think I'm inclined to agree with Jason here. I think there is another gear there's another level that he needs to get to to be to get that respect as the quote-unquote best overall. Um, I feel like the helmet incident kind of holds him back a little bit when, when you talk about the love-hate relationship. And I also feel like that, you know, there was no player comps, but it seems like to me Bruce Smith is the guy that he's aiming for. It's like that's the ghost that he's chasing. You see Bruce Smith being the one who – enters him into the mad 99 club you see bruce smith being the one who he talks about working with a lot trying to perfect this game so all all things considered with that i think um you go back to that 2017 draft and the browns was coming off a 0-16 season i think the expectations wasn't that high but any expectation that was there i think he's exceeded it
2: yeah, yeah. he's he's the best defensive end hand-in-the-ground pass rusher in football right now, and when you draft a guy number one, especially at a non-quarterback position, can you ask for much more than have him being the single best player at his given position? It, like I think I think Earl's right. No matter what the expectation was, there's nothing he's done that hasn't
3: let him live up to whatever bar he was set. And, and I'll say this. He doesn't have the accolades, but if you want, like, Pass rusher, skill for skill, size for size, strength, ability, bend, rush, uh, the ability to get the ball from the quarterback. I'm gonna keep it real. He has, I mean, some of the greatest pass, Like Chris Dolman is a great pass rusher. Um, Kevin Green is a great pass rusher. Pat Swilling is a great pass rusher. I mean, he's been better than them for a long time. And these are these are these are 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 gold jackets. He got They got the gold jackets. And when you say Bruce Smith, to me, Bruce Smith is a longevity guy. He played a lot of years for a, long people, a lot of people, and he did it at a high level. But when you compare Bruce Smith and Michael Strahan, um, Miles Garrett is just, he's a better, he's like a better prospect. He just has to have the hardware. He has to do it longer. Um, and I think that's the only thing holding him back. If you look at Aaron Donald, the reason why Aaron Donald, some could consider as the best defensive tackle of all time. It's just because when you look at those times where they needed to play in the Super Bowl, and Aaron Donald gets a sack, yeah. that, that, that's just submission, you. And, and
2: Miles hasn't had as many opportunities either. Right. The team hasn't been very good. And I was just curious, uh, I looked at Michael Strahan's sack record the year mm-hmm. that happened. Now, the Giants went to the Super Bowl that year. But he also had 18 and a half sacks two years later in two, 2003. Mm-hmm. They were 4-12. Yeah. So just because you have a lot of sacks doesn't mean your team's good. A lot of times right. when you have sacks, I means the other team's throwing the ball 50, 60 times, and you're getting a ton of pass rush opportunities. So yep. sacks does not correlate to wins in the same way quarterbacks and touchdowns, yards, completion percentage, uh, EPA on certain plays, dropbacks, as, as much as that position and those stats
3: correlate to winning. And a lot of times, Jason, is like, you gotta you gotta have a winning year. Like a lot of look, go back and look at when they hand out the MVPs and stuff. Yeah. If you, you know, if you win 10, 11, 12, 13 games, I guarantee you go look at those, those teams who win 13 games, 12 games, end up with a first round by, they got coach of the year candidates, MVP, offensive player of the year, all those guys. So it, it's kind of difficult. They, they, we really do minimize um, the ability for people to win awards. If you're not playing on a good team.
0: Well, I think that's where it should be because yeah. your plays are impacting winning. Yeah. And, I mean, you pointed out, you can have a ton of sacks and still not win. But you're generally going to gravitate to the teams that are having the most success, and that's where you're going to look at for postseason awards.
2: I'm going to ask you guys a question. Earl, this is – I'm throwing this – we didn't plan for this, but this is Miles Garrett related. I'm going to throw a number out. You tell me if Miles Garrett has that many sacks to end 2023. Successful season or disappointing? And we'll just keep going up. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. 12 sacks. Successful or disappointing?
3: Disappointing. That's disappointing, bro. Now, for context,
2: for context, 99% of the league has 12 sacks. It's a career year. They're getting their biggest paycheck ever after. Now, so.
3: Darius Smith has 12 sacks.
2: Point Point in case.
3: Yeah. But this, <laughs> this is the standard we hold miles to. And so
2: far throughout his career, he's exceeded those standards. So, Earl, you said disappointing, too? Yeah, there'll be a disappointment. All right, 13.
4: Disappointing. Yeah, good. Yeah. Disappointing.
2: 14. Keep going. So I'll, keep, I'll going. keep going. Y'all tell me when to stop. 15.
3: 16? I'll take sixteen because sixteen is, you play sixteen games, and you get a sack a game. Okay, I guess. I was,
0: I need more. I was going to say seventeen. Give me seventeen. Seventeen games, seventeen sacks.
3: Now, now listen. If, if, if Are these strip sacks? No, I'm if, just just sacks if, in general. <laughs> like just you sacks in me, general. Just sacks in general. I'll take. I, I'm cool with. am I'm, I'm I'm cool with sixteen, but I, I I would like to get more than that.
2: And once again, just for context. One player in the NFL last year had more than 16 sacks. One. Now, a couple had 16. Garrett, Hassan Reddick. Those only two. So, two players had 16 sacks last year. Hassan Reddick of Philadelphia, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa had 18 and a half. So, one player had more than 16. And all four of us, including Earl behind the booth, so three out here in Earl, say if he has 16 sacks next season, essentially one per game, it's right on par with what we expect. That is how high the bar – my point is that just – we have set the bar so high for Miles that it feels like even if he has a great season, he's underachieving. But as to you guys have said, he's an all-time great, has a chance to be an all-time great, and you hold those guys to higher. To a standings. different
0: standard, and that's his career high. His career high: is sixteen sacks. So, I guess for me to say seventeen is unfair.
3: I want because that'd want, be a new career high. I want twenty. I to me, here's how you know you're good: when you get up into the twenties. That means, like, I got counter moves. That means I'm hustling. That means um, I'm getting off blocks. That means if you get to 20, that means you're just having a special year, bro. Like, there's nothing nobody can do about it. And and to get to 20, you need some help. Like, you do need another defensive end. You do need your, your defensive coordinator to be able to, 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 you know, scheme some different stuff up. And that's why I was excited to see Jim Schwartz because now – I, I think it's a travesty that JOK is that fast, but they never blitz him. Yeah. Like, why, why would you have a guy that, that, that runs like that, that can, that can change direction and that you can throw in into the rush and then have to have them guard that plus on the other end, Miles Garrett plus on the other end. another like, instead of playing vanilla, I would, I would always have him doing something else. And I think, I think Jim Schwartz is going to have people do that. I think that, I think you'll see a lot of different stuff.
0: I don't want to get too caught up also in numbers because I just looked it up. Micah Parsons had 13 and a half sacks. He had less than miles, but it feels like his sacks were more impactful or came at bigger moments. Mm -hmm. I would take, I would take 13 or 14 sacks for miles with a big strip sack in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah. When the game's on, you know what I mean? So I think, and and that's where I think some of what we feel like has been missing. He's provided some of those, Mm -hmm. but it feels like there's more opportunities there. And I would, I'll trade pure empty numbers I'll trade a first-quarter sack for a fourth-quarter turnover. And remember,
3: you could feel it like when you could J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, the years that he was with the Texans, that he was that dude. Yeah. J.J. Watt was getting 20-some pass deflections in a year. And it would be that. It was like, we've never seen a a guy knock down that many passes. Uh, Like he was, he was just, you, you know, When it got and got to that level, I look at Strahan. I look at Strahan, and when they um the uh when when the Giants played Mm -hmm. the the Patriots, yep. Strahan, Tuck, and uh, OCU Manuro, bro. Listen, they were they were they. I think Matthias Kielnicker was on that team too. He was first round pick. Yeah, they have they had multiple rushers, but what was devastating was now you had Strahan out. On the edge where you couldn't double him, and it just seemed like he was just everywhere that year. It was like, bro, this the Giants is just unstoppable. You know, Reggie White had his time. We talk about Lawrence Taylor, Aaron Donald had his time. Michael Parsons is a guy who thirteen sacks, but he, I feel like them is impactful sacks. Yeah, and just you, you feel them. It's the gravity. You get them in the fourth quarter. I think uh, Chris Jones uh, for the Chiefs he comes up very big. I thought he had a great AFC Championship game against the Bengals, but you know based on how you, you see the game. It just it just feels like there's nothing they can do to block this guy. He's everywhere. So there's another level, and I think Miles Garrett can get there. Yeah, Jason
2: made a great point, and I apologize for looking at my phone. I'm looking up a stat. Uh, the sack number by itself
3: can be kind does, of meaningless.
2: Can be kind of meaningless because a, there's a very high chance this year, very high likelihood that Miles Garrett forces a pressure quarterback whoever they're playing rolls out right into the arms of Darius Smith now that's not credited as a Miles Garrett sack that's credited for Darius Smith Miles Garrett may do have 15 of those this year and come away with like 11 sacks by right. himself and Darius Smith has so I think the team sack total is something to look at but another number that I'm going to add to our weekly stat graphics and something to look up here it's on pro football reference anyone can look it up it's not super advanced analytics but it's something to watch they do something called uh total it's total pressures so it's QB knockdowns uh pressures and hurries and hurries is how they they categorize this is based on a quarterback if he has to throw the ball before he's ready. obviously there's a hurry not uh pressures is when even if he doesn't affect the throw he pushes the offensive lineman into the quarterback's pocket so he can't step up and then quarterback hits and they combine those with sacks for a total number and I looked at it last year Micah Parsons had 65 Miles Garrett had 60 okay they both played 16 games Top two numbers in the league. Joey Bosa was right beneath them at 59. That's a good stat to look at, the total impact of a pass rusher uh, to have. So that conversation we just had is going to make our stat graphics better for the upcoming season, or I'll show you all where to find those stats. But at the end of the day, whether it's 12 sacks, 14 sacks, 16 sacks, I sat in your chair two weeks ago and said I think there's a chance he could break the single season sack record this year based on the other guys on the defensive line, Jim Schwartz, and how good I think Miles Garrett is. But I want to see that total combination of hits, sacks, hurries, and deflections in between that 65 to 75 range. That'll be an elite all pro caliber season from one miles Garrett. Before you go, G, what's up, bro?
4: So as uh, before we uh, shift gears here to put a bow on this, as I'm hearing this conversation take place, I think for me, if miles Garrett had 13 sacks and let's say he added on 20 more pressures, but Four or five other defensive linemen had about ten sacks this year. I'll take that yeah. over a twenty-sack season or Miles Garrett breaking the sack record. A, a topic yeah. for another time is uh, we talk about because we
3: always get in the trade machine over here, and we always talk about what we'll it will take tomorrow. to get some, we'll, we'll, what it will take to get this person, that person. One of the topics is I, I want to know besides a quarterback, besides the quarterbacks. What position player would bring you back the biggest haul? And I actually think if we looked at it, I think Miles Garrett would probably, if you look at it in the league. On the Browns or of any player in the league? Any player. No, like it, Ma- it, Michael Parsons we get more. You, you, how he's, old just, is, he's just young. He's How old is it, Michael Parsons? Last year was his second year in yeah. the league. He's like 12? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, so last year he was, yeah, he was a second-year yeah, player se- last yeah. year, right? Yeah. Um, and
2: he's not saying he's better than miles Garrett. He's just significantly younger. The contract
3: yes, man. Yeah, contract, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I would, I would, I would think defensive ends will be in that that mix. I
2: actually have it, and then Earl, I see you waving. I'll get you to one sec, but I have it on my list of topics. What would each Browns player get back in a trade in terms of draft capital? Total speculation, but mm-hmm. I think that'd be fun one day. Earl, what's next?
4: All right, so on this, this, this loaded football Thursday, you know, there's been a lot of talk in Cleveland over the last couple months that, which I don't agree with, that uh, this is Nick Chubb's last year playing for the Cleveland Browns. We've had conversations among ourselves about the salary cap and eventually the Browns are going to have to make some tough decisions. So I got to thinking more than likely, who is playing their last season for the Cleveland Browns? Is it Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller? Donovan Peoples Jones or other. G. Uh this is this
3: is uh well I I'll look at it two ways. Now, now the obvious choice is um Donovan Peoples Jones, but I look at White Teller. Um now here's it, it, it may get a little funny because you got two guards uh, that are already making that much money in Joe Batonio White Teller has more injury problems as well. He's also getting around that 3031 age as well. So that's that's a perfect storm for being like you're a cap casualty. Um, I think that if you look at the offensive line and you look at how much they're paying him. I think that they can move a guy in. They feel like maybe it's a Nick Harris. We, we got Dewan Jones. You know, we, we still got James Hudson. We got a lot of guys that we kind of like in that position we can fill in. Now, I think he's roughly making about $13 million, somewhere of 11 to 13 if you, if you got the number. Teller? Yeah. This Higher. year he's making 15.4. Oh, oh, that's even. well. <laughs> and next but, year it's 16.9. And next year? 16.9. And, what's the, what, and what is the dead money if we cut him next year? Uh, it's a dead cap hit of seven point seven million, so you'd save about nine million. Ah, from what I know about the Cleveland Browns, that that this this looks like uh, 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 John Johnson the third move, <laughs> that that nine ten eleven move. That anytime you started getting over that fifteen fifteen million, I'm sorry, we can't do Donovan Peoples Jones is going to be a free agent. Um, it all depends on what type of. Uh, you know targets he's going to get. Mm-hmm. It looks like all oh, you guys could calm down at home. We not get DeAndre Hopkins, so you have your beautiful Donovan Peoples Jones. <laughs> you can spoon feed him the rock. You, we DPJ team, DPJ should be happy, but he needs to put up. He would have to be the for him to get signed. He would have to be the number one receiver. He would have to get 80 catches for 1,100 yards and about seven touchdowns for him for them to sign him. Because I, I, I believe that they think, okay, well, is Donovan Peoples Jones better than what Amari Cooper can give you next year. And they owe him 20.
0: Yeah. See what I'm saying? Jason. Could I go D all of the above? Because I think it's likely that all three of them. I'll ah, play the last. I can't believe including. you took
2: my I was ready to. Oh, is that you still you your go, answer? No, you go, you go. Okay, uh, it's not my answer. But I, I was gonna make the point of how that could happen.
0: I think it's a big, I think it's a big year for Wyatt. I he didn't have a very good year last year. I think the calf played into that the calf mm-hmm. injury. There's a lot of pressure on him this year because of the cap number. Because, you know, I've said it before, when you're paying your quarterback $50 million, it's a luxury that you can't necessarily afford to pay your guards, you know, $35 million combined. So you're going to have to make a choice there. And Betonio has been so steady, obviously Wyatt's younger, but Betonio has been so steady throughout his career. I don't see how you make that move. DPJ, I think a lot of that depends on Cedric Tillman and what Tillman looks like. If, there's, if you think that there's a path for him to have an expanded role going forward that could easily be Donovan's last year. And I do tend to think that this is Nick Chubb's last year in Cleveland. Really? Yeah, I do. For, ca- for cap reasons and for everything else. And for the fact that this is a Deshaun Watson offense going forward, uh, I think you could easily make the case that all three of these guys, it's their last year in Cleveland.
2: So DPJ is the right answer. This is mo- of the question of Chubb, Teller, DPJ, who is most likely they're playing their last season in Cleveland. DPJ is the answer. He's not under contract next right. season. They drafted Cedric Tillman to be his replacement before take before any of the deandre hopkins stuff out of the question we come in the day after the draft that monday after the draft i guess that'd be april 30th all saying they just drafted dpj's replacement he's going to learn for a year sit and then take over his spot so tillman filling in for dpj regardless of what else they do in the receiver room makes the most sense cap wise to teller's point you could save about what was the number nine million dollars if you cut teller mm-hmm. now if teller plays like he did in 2020 and 2021 you could talk yourself into playing a guard $17 million. He was the number one rated guard according to PFF in 2020, the number five rated guard according to PFF in 2021. You can't pay a guard that kind of money when he's ranked 18th like he was last year right. or 51st like he was in 2019. It makes no sense. He is the second highest cap hit of any guard in the league this year and the eighth highest next season when extensions to Quentin Nelson and other top guards, Chris Lindstrom for the Falcons, kick in. So based on that, he could be a cap casualty. And you talk about the money. This has nothing to do with Nick Chubb, the football player. However, his cap hit next year is $16.2 million. If they cut Nick Chubb, they save $12 million. He only has a $4 million dead cap hit heading into 2024. We just saw the Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook is still a very good player. A top-tier running back. He's probably what? Four to eight in the league, depending on what you value in a running back? Because they didn't want to pay him $14 million and they thought they could get more from uh, alexander madison for four million and use the other 11 million they're saving elsewhere to make their team better than they would paying dalvin uh dalvin cook 14 million dollars so nick chubb based on the money could be a cap casualty
3: yeah oh, it crazy. just makes
2: sense like y'all crazy. It's, it's not anti Nick Chubb. It's crazy. just
3: y'all, y'all crazy. they have to pay a lot of players a lot of money. G. <laughs> Somebody else ain't getting no money then. <laughs> that's, I, that's all fair. it is. That's like he, you not getting allowance then tomorrow. Like there's there are certain players and I don't I don't usually ascribe to this ascribe to it. Andrew Berry's
2: a money guy though.
3: There are listen. There are certain people who just are on the squad. There are certain people when you go to the park and you got four dudes with you. You said my man's is coming. He's coming from across town. I only need four. he's automatically on the roster. All right, like I ask you a question then. Let's say we
2: had the conversation. yesterday, said, Nick Chubb, you said he could be a 2000 yard rusher. You said he's gonna end up with 1500 yards mm-hmm. and uh, 17 touchdowns. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Then he goes into next season the last year of his deal. Yeah, he's probably gonna say I want to be paid. I don't want to play my last year deal without a or certainty that I'm going to rework that. You're going to
3: extend him? We can rework it. Listen, Nick Chubb to me, there there are very few backs who ever get to this. I could probably name maybe one or two. Nick Chubb to me, I would tell him, look, as long as, as long as I own the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb is on the roster. He will retire Cleveland Brown. He will get his number retired. He will get his jersey retired. At the end of the day, there's two, there's two running backs I respect like that. It's Jim Brown and then it's Nick Chubb. Because at the end of the day, Nick Chubb offers me something I can't buy. Like, let's not be, let's be clear. Yeah. Our quarterback has not if we had the the culture thing figured out with the quarterback. Heck, when you look at who wears the C's, Nick Chubb wear the C, Joe Batonio wear the C on offense, not the quarterback. And I don't think that changed next year. It might, Stefanski been saying that Deshaun Watson's showing leadership and great, we're going to move along. But at the end of the day, I'm saying this, I'll find the money somewhere. And if you telling me Nick Chubb won't take a deal, he won't do what Jose Ramirez did to stay in Cleveland, I guarantee it. That's why when he comes to the Guardians and people talk about it, no, Jose is is off the charts. We didn't touch him, no. He's not going nowhere. I feel the same way about Nick Chubb.
4: Earl, what do you think? Nick Chubb is the epitome of everything that you want in a player playing for the Cleveland Browns. When Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry took this job, what did they say? They wanted guys that were smart, tough, and accountable. And Nick Chubb fits the definition of all three of those bullet points, right? And then we talk about, we just did a segment on the core five players. Nick Chubb was on that list. When I look at Nick Chubb, I think about the things that he impact off the football field. I think about his presence in the locker room. I think about his energy around his teammates. I think about just all the camaraderie and all the chemistry and everything that he embodies with the city of Cleveland. Nick Chubb is one of those dudes that I think is a very special back. I'm talking like Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Thomason type of special. And this will probably be my first big, bold prediction on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. At the end of the season, Nick Chubb is going to get a contract extension. He's not going anywhere. I I don't disagree. Well, I don't agree
2: with the contract extension part. I don't disagree with anything you said before that about Nick Chubb being an all NFL elite future Hall of Fame running back, that he is the epitome of what you want in a Cleveland Brown, the epitome of a person. The he opinion of a football player, Jay said if he had 53 Nick Chubbs, you win a Super Bowl. I tend to agree with that. I
4: just don't know if Andrew Barry does when it comes to the $60 so million you this price tag. What type of message is it sending if you cut Nick Chubb because of his salary number? Like, what, what type of message is that overall sending out to the fan base or sending to the rest of the players in the locker room if everything comes down to somebody's salary cap number? Never mind the other, the other ways that they can have an impact on a football team.
0: They already know Yeah, it's a business. Like they already know. We've seen this in other, with other teams. This is a very analytically run team, front office franchise, and I think that they're going to look at the value versus the money versus the production you can get from somebody else. And when you're looking, I agree with everything you guys have said about Nick in terms of what he means to the franchise, to the city, everything. He does everything the right way. He's everything you want. But when you're sitting there crunching numbers and you're looking at the lines and you're looking at what makes sense and what doesn't, when you're paying your quarterback fifty million dollars, you got to give. And I think that's one of the things that's. I just, I just think that's one of the things that's going to give. Now, if Jerome Ford is an absolute flop this year, you know, maybe we have a different conversation. If they bring in a veteran back who busts this year, you know, whatever. But the way it's trending, I, I absolutely think it's a possibility. That this is his last year.
2: Yeah, Jay, Jason made a really good point. Having this conversation today in June before the season plays out. It's pure speculation. If Ford's terrible, if they can't, if they don't have a running game, yeah. if if Nick Chubb comes out and has a three thousand yard season, like he's not getting cut. But just based on the conversation and the information we have today hey, on June fifteenth, hey
3: bro, if you thought I talked to Bernie, and Bernie was talking about how you know when he when when Bill Belichick cut Bernie Kosar. Mm-hmm. He talked about how many. He talked about people coming up to him like was tripping, like they had lost their kids, right? Yeah. I'm gonna let you know right now. If the Browns cut Nick Chubb, people would flip out. People would flip. Just for the record, Bill was right
0: on Bernie. He was right.
3: But here's the thing. (laughs) I mean. But here's the thing but Nick Chubb it wasn't popular but he was right but Nick I Chubb mean, but, ain't Bernie Kosar, though. but i mean Bill Nick bo- Chubb is one of the, is probably the best back in the league okay but Bernie was i a mean
0: he's god is, in cleveland he, is. he had a higher I, he had a higher status than where Nick
3: Chubb is now i guess far higher yeah, but i'm telling you they will lose it they like you got to think about it My, like okay let, when let's let's take it to the indians when Albert Bell left, and then I think that was Tommy the last one or the Manny leave before Tommy. Manny and then Tommy. So when Albert Bell left and then Manny left, there was people that like was like I can't do this. The only thing that's keeping me around here is, is Jim. And when Jim Tommy left. We ain't been, we ain't been the same since. Like, we ain't been, we have not, been we couldn't get right since then. But I, I B- but I look at it like this. You got Chubb and you got Betonio. To me, that, that I go to them and I say, look, we, we we value you like this. We value you like Joe Thomas. We're gonna do everything we can to keep you in a reasonable number. Do you want to retire here? I get, at least give them the option. Yeah. I and, give them the option. And, and you... Mentioned football and parcels and, and this,
2: like to Jason's point, it's a business. Bill Belichick has made some of the smartest moves in that in that realm of thinking and some of the dumbest. They let Tom Brady Our, leave, and that was a bad decision. Brady has been way think, more successful in Tampa was Bay. Tom,
0: I think that was more Tom than Bill.
2: But to but G's point, like I'm not letting him leave. And I'm not letting Nick Chubb leave the building without an extension. Tom probably Can't wanted to him. go because he wanted to prove he could win on his own. Tom Brady, Damn. the winningest quarterback of all time, left the team he was with for 20 years. So let's not pretend that yeah. these guys can't go to other teams. And he did it earlier in his career. Ty Law, he traded Richard Seymour to the Raiders. And those moves all worked out. The Brady one backfired. I, but it's a business. But I want – see, I don't know. Maybe I'm emotional. I,
0: I think both of you – I think Earl and G are, being, are talking with your heart and yeah, your I'm emotions emotional. on this and not with the analytically yeah. driven brain yeah. of the Browns. And first if the Browns have the type of season that we all think they're capable of having moving on from Nick would be a lot, would be received a lot differently. Yeah, if very, they make a deep playoff run and, th- and you're going to have a little bit more trust in what they're doing, a little bit more faith in what they're doing. If Jerome Ford shows something, you're going to have a little bit more faith in this. Now, if the whole thing unravels and they get six and 11, you know, it's a different, <laughs> it it's
2: was a different five, story. Yeah,
3: five, five and seven. That's what happened.
2: Con- and it's a, <clears throat> it's a great topic, girl, but this conversation could change 15 times yes. between June 5th yes. today And when any decision has to be. I just think
0: that the whole league has told you that they don't value the running back position. And now you're asking one of the most (laughs) analytically driven (laughs) front offices to overpay for one of the most underrated positions, undervalued positions. The
2: Cowboys won't bring back Zeke Elliott, who is not on the same level as Nick Chubb at all, but has meant as much to the Cowboys in the last six, seven years as, as Nick Chubb has here for $2 million. So, so let me, they won't bring
3: him back for $2 million. So let me, I, I, here's why, and Earl, maybe you could speak to this. This is why I'm emotional, right? I look at the AFC North. I look at the AFC North as our own little world. <laughs> like Because we got so much history with the Browns being coming to Ravens. And obviously you got the Steelers and the, and the Bengals is right in your backyard. To me, when I get emotional, when I be like, when you, you think Munoz, he played nobody else. That's but he's bangled. Mm-hmm. When you see Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis is like, no, I'm hanging it up here. Yep. Ogden and Reed, They made it where like, yo, and then like even Big Ben. Roethlisberger get a send off. He get all of, like he get his parade. He get all of that. He got to, you know, announce it. So when I look at the other places, I'm like, man, Pouncy is another guy. You look at these guys, they Hall of Famers. They had that jersey on forever. And I'm looking at my squad and I'm like, man, I want you to do right by our stars. I want you to do right by the people that that we covet. I know it's emotional, but at the end of the day, you can make the money work a little bit because Nick Chubb don't care about the money anyway. You don't know? eh, care about the money he, 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 a little bit, it, right? It, listen, you disrespectful. Is it.
0: there a number out there that yes yeah. works? Okay. I, I mean, He's going to have to swallow a lot of value, which yeah. he's done once, but I don't yeah. know if
3: he's – I don't know. We want the Jose Ramirez deal. That's a totally different – That's a totally different
2: – To G's point, if he's want to take the Jose Ramirez deal, he ain't leaving Cleveland. Sure. Right. And if he wants to reset the running back market, his $16.2 million cap hit next year would be second in the league behind Derrick Henry.
3: And He's, they keep it Derek Henry. They won't trade him yet. I'm like, look, as long as Derek Henry here, <laughs> Nick Chubb can't go nowhere. Uh, now when they get rid of there, suck, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> now when they go four and something, uh, Derek Henry will yeah. be playing linebacker. They're playing two
0: rookie
2: quarterbacks.
0: I think when you look at the value of fifteen carries, whatever it is, <laughs> divided by the amount of money you're paying yeah. him versus what you could get on a different contract for those fifteen
3: carries, yeah. I just I. I think it's probably. I like, used think i would be arguing for the twenty cares for. The-
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's the all the long game by just all long game. All, you know, and, and, and listen, I do not blame anybody, anybody at all. G. Earl, anybody watching, that's like, there's no way Nick Chubb will ever not. Yeah, be, we're not. I seeing, do not blame you guys at yeah, all. Yeah, nobody's
0: saying get rid of Nick Chubb. Nobody's saying no, yeah. that.
2: It's just at some point, if decisions based on money have to be made, when Tegna says, "Hey, UCSS." You got to cut your budget. Someone's not going to be here. Like, it, we don't got a choice. Someone's got to go. So, they have never done that to us, but I'm just saying, theoretically speaking, <laughs> at some point when they say you only have this much money to spend and you have this many people, someone isn't fit in that equation. Right. Earl, what's up? All
4: right. So, yeah, it's definitely, I am being emotional. Jason is right about that, but I do think there is <laughs> I like a human, emotional
2: Pearl, by the way.
4: <laughs> I think there's a human element to this as well, right? I just think that the Haslam's view, Nick Chubb, the person, uh, a little different than they might do every other player on this team, and I think they care about Nick Chubb the person. But I understand the business side of it that hey, sometimes you got to make the money work, and how I will make the mo- money work. Wyatt Teller got to go. You got a lot of offensive <laughs> yeah. linemen. You got a lot of versatility <laughs> on the offensive line. Yeah. And you got an offensive line coach that's damn good, right? That's a so, sacri- you so sacrifice. You sacrifice. So, so if I know I got Bill Callahan as my awesome offensive line coach. I still got Pochage. I still got uh, Nick Harris. I still got oh. James Hudson that's developing. <laughs> I really, and what, I, and I, I just drafted Dewan Jones, right? <laughs> yep. I just believe all the versatility on that offensive line, I think they can be coached up, and that's where you'll be able to <laughs> save your money at. But mind you, we're, we're talking about cap hits and age and this, that, Ooh. and the third. Yeah. Joe Batonio is older than Wyatt Teller. They yes. both making around the same amount of money, and nobody here is saying that the Browns is going to use him for a cap casualty. Yeah, and listen, there's going to be decisions made. You can finagle the
2: cap as much as you want, and you can kick the can down the road as long as you want. At some point, you do have to pay the Piper. You look at the Rams this year. You look at the Vikings Vikings. in particular. The Vikings gave us Zadarius Smith for essentially nothing because they didn't want to pay him $10 million. They are fielding trades for Daniil Hunter and still a very, very good pass rusher. Why? Because they don't want to pay him. They just cut Dalvin Cook the same position as Nick. Hey, they
3: couldn't pay Tomlinson.
2: They could (laughs) have played, like, yeah, money matters, and at some point, you got to pay the piper. Earl, we got a fun topic next. What's up?
4: Yeah, but before we get to that topic, man, let's get this PCC read in. We did a couple poll results. Ooh. And as always, man, PCC, looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits. PCC Air Force is a lead manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC, Airfoil Force, and Eastlake, Manor, Whitcliffe, and Minerva Ooh. are higher right now at all positions, and they started at $18 an hour. So go get your full benefit package, paid time off, signing bonuses. Apply right now at precast.com slash careers to learn more. So we got a couple polls out here. Anthony put a poll up on the YouTube channel, uh, Who's Le- whose last season isn't in Cleveland, with Chubb, DPJ, Teller, and all of the above being the – options and 51% says is DPJ's last season in Cleveland. That's
3: the right answer. Mm -hmm.
2: But
4: Who, who came in second? Anthony, who came in second?
0: I could also, while they look that up, I could also make the case that DBJ's back. If Tillman looks like yeah. there's nothing there oh. and, and Donovan has a great year and, and, and Cooper, and,
3: there's a chance Cooper's the guy.
0: And Watson finds a rhythm with DPJ. I could easily make a yeah. case it,
3: that Donovan's whoever, back. Whoever, this is the, on the boat. Whoever Deshaun Watson started throwing the ball to, like, he's, he's yeah. here.
4: Yeah. It was Teller coming in second at uh, 33%. And then Chubb last.
0: And then Chubb last. Yeah, so I they mean, think
2: yeah. – that, that, I would have guessed that's how the, the fan poll would go. Next topic. It-
4: all right, so next up, this is something that we, we talk about privately in our group chat. We all know First Energy Stadium is no more. It's back to the Cleveland Brown Stadium. But we just got finished talking about analytics, money, and business. I think we all agree that it's not going to be Cleveland Brown Stadium often. No. Oh, for much longer, should I say. So, if you were given the job to rename Cleveland Brown Stadium, what would you name it and why? You've kind of given your thoughts on this topic, Jason. So
2: I'll let you start, cause I have a bunch of them and some of them are terrible, some of them are <laughs> decent, but I'm gonna throw them out there.
0: Well, I, I didn't take this in the let's have fun and get creative way. I just took this, Earl texted me a few weeks ago and said, what do you think it's gonna be? And I said, some variation of Pilot Flying J, whether it's Pilot Field or Flying J. Uh, arena. Arena, now nah, arena, but stadium or whatever. Here's that. It's one piece of footage we have of Jimmy walking through the owner's meetings.
2: It's not on NFL uh, property, which is why we can use it.
0: That's funny. Had I known, I would have shot a video for you guys at the owner's meetings on my iPhone of him walking by Yeah, we need just so we could spice it up a little bit. You know, there's a reason Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse is called Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It's because, you know, Dan owns them. And I just, for me, it's just, it's it's too natural. Now, if Jimmy wants, he certainly doesn't need the money, but if he wants to, sell it out to progressive field obviously not them because they have the the baseball stadium already. but someone like that uh, you could do that but it just makes too much sense to me to be pilot flying J stadium or pilot stadium or something something along those lines
3: this is very easy the cleveland browns have now started a renaissance they have a new logo a new dog logo more intimidating i think they need to couple the stadium name with the logo as well as the atmosphere, we are now reenacting the dog pound. There are no children allowed sitting in a dog pound. No kids. We, you gotta be hey, listen. It's just like gambling and smoking uh, tobacco. 18 or over to sit in the now dog pound. Show your pound. ID to get the dog pound. You gotta show your ID. It gets real rough down there. And what we're gonna do? Naming rights. If you got a bunch of dogs and you wanna name, or you wanna name your stadium. Nickname the pound. What better way than go do that, than sign up with a company that endorses all types of pets. Here's what we're gonna do. This company, PetSmart, mm. <laughs> PetSmart, $7 billion in revenue. So they got the bag, the bag is there. PetSmart, 7 billion annually, 56,000 employees, right? Say, look at this, PetSmart Stadium or PetSmart Field, PetSmart, whatever you want to call it, but guess what? We all know what it is. It's PetSmart Stadium, a.k.a. the pound and we unleash the mall. Mo- and I need dogs in the kennel. I need dogs, actual dogs, all types of dogs <coughs> in the kennel and they're going to be there for the game. Not only going to be there for the game, but what you're going to do is you're going to be able to adopt one of those dogs after the games.
2: Every so touchdown score,
3: every touchdown. you dog. get a dog, you get a, a chance to adopt the dog. They do that at training camp. They should be, bring that right back to the stadium. <laughs> People would love it. People would get a, a kick out of it. And on top of that, if you are in the dog pound, we give out fifty percent coupon on gerbil food and all parrot food as well at, at local pet stores.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: Where the hell did the gerbils come from? How did the gerbils out, get shout into to this? Rodents. Shout out to, because it's for the smaller kids. Now the smaller kids can't have no dogs. You see gerbils, rabbits, <laughs> things like that, ferrets. Only ferrets are sold at uh, local stores. We got it at, at our apartment store. We sell ferrets. Okay, I,
2: I thought I went in some different routes here. I did not expect there to be gerbil food. Uh, <laughs> teased up here, so G. Yeah. way to go. There
3: it is. What's up, Miles? He over there. He's like, y'all put me on. Uh, Jason Lloyd got my seat again. <laughs> All right, so
2: I came with a couple. I came with a couple, a couple serious, couple uh, not so serious. First. And this one is what I would like to see. This is my, if I could choose anything and it would happen, I would like to see it be called Jim Brown Stadium. Just plain and simple. In honor of the greatest player in franchise history. In honor of a guy who made tremendous steps forward in the civil rights movement. A guy who is not only an elite, amazing, one-of-a-kind football player, but seemed like he also was a... Monumental figure in society see as what, a whole. See
3: what you did, see chat. You understand? McNuggets went emotional. He wanted. He got the. <laughs> he really came emotional with the Jim Brown. That's the only thing that could have wiped that down. Just wait I, for I, the rest. I, I see you. Okay, see you.
2: so that, that's my real one, and and I think if you're gonna go fly, uh, flying pilot J like is he gonna make money off that because it's his own company? I don't, I don't know how It's that, a
0: publicity for it.
2: Well, a publicity, but if he's not going to be getting the billion-dollar naming no. rights, well, you might as well name it after Jim Brown because essentially by naming it after Jim Brown, you're getting the same amount of money I, I back. I think
0: the problem, because I've seen this before, I think the problem with naming it Jim Brown Stadium... You can't come back from that. Yeah. You can't right. change your mind you in 20 it, years yeah. and sell it. Fair. Once you do that, you Fair. do that.
2: But. All right, stop bringing logic but, Jason. But,
0: no, you can make it Jim Brown Field. Yeah. You can name the field Just Jim like Brown Mile field. High,
2: Mile High at Empower, or Empower Field at Mile High Stadium. You can
0: just, like, the turf itself. Is
2: Jim Brown can Field. Can be Jim Brown Field. It's okay. like the Broncos, because the Broncos, it's Empower Stadium, but it's Mile High Field. Yeah. Smart. I like that. See, Jason, logic, too. good. All right. Here are my other options. Not so serious. Do not clip these. They're not serious. But. First, how about the UCSS Thunderdome <laughs> on the lake? I don't care if the Can Browns. Can we pay are, the naming rights? I don't care if the Browns hate him? us if, if they don't want to help us get guests. Name it the UCSS Thunderdome. I would love that. Second off, we got the Muni Lot. How about the Muni Field, the Muni Stadium? Let's just turn to one giant party. I want, well, it's I want the was. Muni Lot to walk right into the stadium. It no want, changes. The no old rules. stadium
0: was Cleveland Municipal Stadium. That no. Run it back. Yeah.
2: Run it back. It was a good name. How about the Haslam's Palace?
0: They're to pay his for palace. it.
2: The Hassel's Palace. Just tribute to him, statues of Jimmy and D as you walk in. Giant, colossal stadiums. And then last but not least, Pittsburgh had Heinz Field for a while, right? They just sold their naming rights. It was Heinz Field. I don't like ketchup. What's better than ketchup? Mustard. What's Cleveland known for? Stadium mustard. Stadium mustard field. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Bertman's done. Name it. End of story. No comment. Left them speechless. Earl's laughing. I heard Anthony chirp. What's up? Say it in my face,
4: Earl. It's just these is crazy. I was laughing at Steve though, you know Sam Rutigliano
2: Of course, yeah, my boy Sam R, Sammy. <laughs>
4: S- Sammy R. Huh? How can I forget Sammy
2: R? Ruti-Gl-R.
4: Sam R <laughs> Sam- <laughs> <Ritigl-y. laughs>
3: I
0: can't remember what you said that day. That was I said
3: exactly what it was. What it was. Breaking news, McNuggets. They loved your they loved your stadium rights name so much that they decided to gift five memberships. Cody Clark. We appreciate you. He has gifted five Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show memberships. We appreciate you out there. We and continue. I believe
2: Black Play Games gifted five yesterday. Oh. So shout out to Black we, we Play Games. We don't forget too. nobody.
3: We don't forget nobody. I thought like his out. name
2: was Black Playground for so long. <laughs> I'm serious. When did we do the Cast post game shows? Because he's a Knicks fan. He was right. in there every day. And I think I called him out one day, and I was like, "Oh, this is hey, this he was super chats this from too."
3: Yeah, he well. He was a Knicks fan. Do, he, had, he had every right to talk his do talk. You, do you know, I was in the, the comment section because I don't have nothing better to do with my life and I'll be just looking through on TV. I saw in our Donovan Mitchell uh, you know, conversations that there are people that came, only watched our show because the algorithm suggested it when we were talking about the Knicks and now they came over there to hate on us because we were delusional and then afterwards they continued to watch and still subscribe because they're like, you know what? We're from New York. But um, I kind of like this little show from Cleveland. I and got, they stayed and subscribed. Shout I, out to New York. So, I'm from
2: Jersey, obviously, right? And my friends, a bunch of them are Knicks fans. And when they were having the series, a Nick blog, and I can't remember the name of this, and I'm so sorry. Kudos to you guys. They took our segment, our Cavs, Knicks, whatever we thought that day, played it, watched it, then reacted to our segment. And it was like, oh, that's a good point by Jason. That's a terrible point by G. Good point. And they like broke down our stuff. And I forget which blog it was, but it's pretty cool to see that a blog in New York that has a decent following—they had yeah. like ten thousand followers on Twitter—it wasn't you know, a, a nothing number. But yeah. was literally watching us. They're like, hey, this is pretty objective, fair breakdown and preview of the series. We don't get that in New York because everyone's pro New York. Most Cleveland <laughs> things are super pro Cleveland. And we were pretty, pretty. I mean, we all were wrong except Jay because we picked the Cavs to win. I picked them in five bad job out of me but we think we did a pretty good job breaking that series down yeah it,
3: it, it worked we're, we're haters like uh i've been a hater for 20 <laughs> years
1: <laughs> hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today